0: Hello and welcome to Friday Formula, a weekly motorsport podcast, where this week, after all the seat swaps, we're hoping that our positions remain safe for at least the next hour. I'm Owen Bellwood, and as always, I'm joined by Will Longman. How are you doing this week, Will?
1: I'm good, but I've clearly got some very bad news for you, because silly season on Friday Formula has started, and (laughs) you've been replaced with your Dutch friend from last week.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, imagine if he just walked in now from behind.
1: <laughs> that's how they do it in Formula One as well. They like call yep. cool drivers in and go look behind you, and uh, that's their their predecessor is predecessor the next driver. The the heir to their throne walks in.
0: I do kind of feel like that's probably how it happened at Mercedes. They had like Valtteri and sign in signing his release contract. He walked out, and then George immediately walked straight in.
1: I I don't think anyone had to tell Valkyrie anything, really, did they?
0: <laughs> no, probably not. Probably not.
1: I think it it's been a done deal since like before. Sakia, he's just he's just known. He's just been reluctant to it.
0: Well, supposedly Kimmy told Alpha Romeo in winter that he wanted to leave. So maybe Bottas has known since like then. Maybe, but that is the big big news of the week, isn't it? We've had three. New three driver moves and a couple of driver confirmations. So do you want to dive straight in with all of those? Do you want to kick off with Bottas to Alfa Romeo? Do you think that's a good move for him?
1: Yeah, well, that was the first of the week, wasn't it? And uh, I think, yeah, I mean, he is uh, obviously not an amazing, amazing top tier driver, is he? Otherwise, he would have been able to do the business with Mercedes but I think it's probably the right kind of seat for him. Mm -hmm. It's probably his level. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I kind of agree. Like we have seen some really like shining moments from Valtteri over the last few years. Like he's got, is it nine wins under his belt now? Uh, Which when you're partnered with someone as kind of dominant as Lewis Hamilton, it's not to be sniffed at. He's done reasonably well in Mercedes, come second in the driver's standings a couple of times and, help the team get its Constructors' Championships. But I'm quite happy he's moved to Alpha rather than to Williams, which was like the other seat that was kind of supposedly up for grabs for him. I feel like that would have seemed like more of a backwards step because he came from Williams initially. Obviously, they kind of feel like they're on a bit of a rise now, but it's going to be nice seeing him in a wholly new environment.
1: Well, that is one of the... The interesting things about making a move like this right now is that in 2022, we have no idea who could be like a big mover and shaker. Williams Mm -hmm. or Alpha could make massive gains and suddenly be halfway up the table compared to where they are now. Yeah. So it's a bit of a leap of faith. And yeah, I agree. Going back to Williams would be, it would feel like a step down. Whereas Salba, I don't know. I mean, we've also spoken about how. Personally, I'm not a massive fan of how Kimi and Antonio have been performing in that alpha this year. And maybe they've not unlocked full potential and maybe that's something that Bottas can.
0: Yeah, it feels like there's been a few times with both Kimi and uh, Antonio where they've come really close to points and quite a good finish. And then just either someone in the team or one of the drivers has just made a stupid mistake. Like when Kimi hit Mazepin in the pits in Hungary. That was a really ridiculous mistake to make. And then a few like tire calls have been a bit questionable. So, I mean, I don't think Bottas is going to bring, he's definitely not going to bring more experience than Kimi does. But I guess having like five years at the world championship winning team is maybe there's going to be a few practices that they've done there that he could maybe bring to Alpha as well. Um, but something I kind of found a similarity to was like Seb's move to Aston Martin. Seb went from Ferrari, which had obviously been winning, not winning to the same extent, but challenging Mercedes in a few years to then Racing Point that is now Aston Martin that was a pretty standard midfield team. Mm-hmm. And it feels like that was more based on the trajectory of the team. Like It had just got all this investment. It has got quite, Lofty ambitions for both Aston Martin the Formula One team and Aston Martin the car brand. That seemed like the start of something new. Whereas going to Alpha, like does Alpha Romeo have the same ambitions to fight for world titles, or is it a Ferrari B team? They kind of seem like two different beasts, as it were.
1: Yeah, because I think Sauber Salba have in the past been like around the midfield mark, but they've never kind of taken the step to be a consistent midfield team, have they? Like, they've come eighth in the la- in 2019, 2020. They were eighth in the Constructors this season. They're ninth behind Williams. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it is probably a bigger step, a bigger downgrade than Sebs to Aston Martin. But again, that's not to say that it's not partly driver error at the moment. Like they've had the same driver lineup for three years now. And I think it was quite telling that uh, this weekend in in the Netherlands, Robert Kubica came in uh, with one free practice session and finished 15th, which is absolutely where you would expect Kimi and Antonio to be. So... Actually, let's see where someone with some race winning up. Not that Kimi Raikkonen doesn't have race winning pedigree, but maybe is in a bit more form and just generally might be a bit better. See how they do, and if they can push the team forward.
0: Yeah, and like, how old is Bottas now? I kind of feel like he's probably in a similar. He's thirty-two. Yeah, so he's kind of in a similar sort of. Like I mentioned on a recent episode, how Daniel Ricardo's kind of lumped him with the senior drivers, but he's quite a bit younger but he's not as young as the people like Max Verstappen and Lando Norris. Mm. And it's kind of like they're in between successful generations. So Lewis and Seb were dominant. And then soon Max and George and Lando are going to be dominant. Is there going to be space for yeah. Valtteri and Daniel to be dominant? Like
1: That's fascinating, isn't it? Because it's like a massive gulf where there just must have not been the talent coming through.
0: Hmm. Or there was, but it got fired and ended up in Formula E.
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But even the top, the kind of the four elder statesmen of Formula 1 at the moment are all world champions. Yeah, In Fernando, Kimi, Lewis, and Seb.
0: Mm. And you wouldn't, I don't think anyone would expect the next world champion to be Bottas or Ricardo. You would probably say Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc if he gets a good car for him, or George Russell. Yeah. So skipping skipping them out a bit.
1: But is, is that just because the, the class of F2 2018 was so good that they've pushed mm. those people out to, like you say, Formula E or other racing series or just out of a seat in Formula One? Yeah, and they've actually it. also completely wiped the floor with any of the young drivers that were there as well. Like Marcus Ericsson has gone to IndyCar.
0: And is doing pretty good pretty blindingly in IndyCar now. Yeah. Yeah, it's strange how there hasn't been that kind of progression down with age. It's always just been one person dominant. But I mean, as we're moving on to the younger people, that does kind of bring us nicely onto Valtteri's replacement at Mercedes. Uh, So as soon as it was announced that he was going to be moving to Alfa Romeo, I think immediately everyone just started assuming George Russell was going to be going in there because imagine if they'd announced someone else. But then on Tuesday morning, the news did break. George Russell to Mercedes. I mean,
1: first of all, you have to give them props because the way that they've made this look like George Russell is Valtteri Bottas's replacement and not Mercedes have fired Valtteri Bottas for George Russell, which is actually what has happened. Yeah. Has been very smart and clever and classy, But it's also a lie. Like they have fired, or they they fired Valtteri Bottas, and because George Russell is a better driver than him, full stop. That's what happened.
0: Yeah. Do you think that's the way people have perceived it? As that George has replaced Bottas? Um, Do you think that's all come down with the order that they announced things? How like they waited until Bottas was announced to then announce George?
1: Yeah, I think it's been very cleverly handled by their PR. And, well, not just clever, like it's it's smart, it, it's nice for Valtteri, mm. really, because it's no skin off George's back if he's announced first or second, is it? No, and it doesn't make it's in it's in Mercedes' best interests because it doesn't make them look like villains. But all round, I mean, we've been expecting this for quite a while, haven't we?
0: Yeah, I think probably since Hungary, it's kind of seemed like it was definitely go in this way up until that point like Toto had always said he wasn't decided they were giving both drivers the chance to prove themselves but just when you looked back at how George was performing in that Williams and how like Bottas hasn't had the best start to this season yeah it sort of began to look like a no-brainer and like if they didn't pick George that he was going to end up finding a seat somewhere else like would he really have stuck with Williams for another year waiting
1: Yeah. See, I I would have gone back even further. I would have gone back to the Sakia race, which is when I think we kind of knew. Mm -hmm. And I think like George slipped up on the radio because obviously it was a terrible race for him and he was very emotional. And he said, "Um, we'll get this opportunity again. And then he went, I hope, I hope we'll get this opportunity again. (laughs) It's like, it was kind of destined from very early on. And yeah, he's very close with Toto and he has trusted his own ability and he's not, he's not put a step wrong, even if he's with Williams. Well, I say that he has put many steps
0: wrong. Yeah. There's, it's interesting that there's been a few like times when he was like running in the point his Williams, like at uh, Mugello last year. Was it where he crashed into the safety car? Yeah. Or was it Imola?
1: Oh, um, Imola, Imola, it was at the end of the year and then it was at the beginning of the year this year, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah, where he was in the points and everyone was like, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And then he obviously was like, he his tyres a bit too much, spun out and crashed. And everyone said, it's the curse of George Russell. But if it was, there's a lot of other drivers where if that happened, they'd be like, "Ah, oh, why are they so rubbish? What's wrong with them? Who's giving them a drive? Yeah. So it's interesting how like, he's, he's an immense talent, but he has had a few little slip-ups as well. And I think that's kind of something that's been great about his time at Williams. He's had time to make these mistakes, figure out his place in the team, figure out his style of driving, and then move on somewhere else. Whereas there's been a few examples of some young drivers getting bumped up to big teams a bit too soon, not having a chance to make mistakes, not having a chance to crash or get used to a crash, and it being sort of detrimental to their kind of potential future.
1: I think we're probably going to talk about one of them in a second, don't we? Um,
0: Yeah, I had more points to make about George, but I think I've come up with an excellent (laughs) segue.
1: Remember this, listener. Remember this. But yeah, I I mean, it's funny you mentioned Imola because I was thinking back to this year's Imola. And I'd like to know how much or what the conversations were between George and Mercedes and Bottas and Mercedes.
0: Mm.
1: Like at that time when George took Bottas out, I'd be really interested to know what the situation was like then. Like not not after the crash, not in the aftermath, but like the tensions, there must've been some tension boiling up because I don't think if that's any other driver, George Russell goes over and smacks him in the head. I just don't think it happens.
0: No. Like obviously there were a lot of tensions running high because it was another opportunity where points were on the table. But he wanted to prove to Mercedes that he could do that. So then in his mind, a Mercedes driver has stopped that from happening. So he's like, why are you hampering my chances at your seat? Yeah. was, I feel like that was a rare like cheek in his armor because George has always been very professional and very kind of grown up and mature the whole time he's been in Formula One. That was the only sort of little tarnished moment.
1: But again, like it's because there's never been anything on the table for him. Mm -hmm. Like, He's never really been at risk of losing anything until, yeah, the curse of him in Imola and Sakir, and then. And then he has shown emotion and he's like broken down either in tears because he's messed it up for himself or out of his control. Mm -hmm. Or in that occasion, it's probably the only occasion in the last three years that I can remember that he's actually like had a right to be angry or possibly be angry. Mm -hmm. And he really hit out. And that's something that he's going to have to make sure it doesn't happen too often when he's fighting for world championships, which he's literally going to be doing next year. Oh my God, that's insane.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's mad. I think the dynamic next year is going to be interesting because I kind of, it's weird. Everyone's saying George Russell is replacing Bottas, but he's on a long-term deal. Whereas Bottas was only ever on one year deals. So it kind of more feels like this is them setting up George to replace Lewis. So it's like there's going to be not like training and mentorship like you would if you were like if I was hiring my replacement in a job. He's obviously going to be learning a lot in that role, though, and he's probably going to be given second option on strategy and not be like the set number two driver. But Lewis is still the star of the show. So how is he going to kind of fit into that role? And then at what point is the crossover going to come? Like, Lewis is going to retire at some point. Mm. So it's going to be interesting seeing it go from, like we saw with like Charles Leclerc and Seb, how Seb was the elder statesman in charge, uh, and Charles was the junior, basically. And then eventually those switched. And last year, Charles was the leader of the pack yeah. and Seb was spinning around at the back. Hopefully it doesn't get as like tense and fractious as it did at Ferrari there. But that's going to be like at least probably two years where it's quite interesting to see what the relationship's like between those two drivers.
1: I think it's probably similar as well to the Max Verstappen moving to Red Bull while Daniel mm. Ricciardo's there. And it's something that Drive to Survive shone a light on very well if, if, if they didn't hype it up a little bit. But mm. Ricciardo felt the pressure because Max was putting in the performances. And that's the key thing. If George goes into qualifying every week and starts out qualifying Lewis, then Mercedes are going to be forced into giving him the strategy and not Lewis. And that's where the tension is going to come because that's new for that team over the last five years.
0: Yeah, especially like this is the first year where Lewis has like seen challenge from anyone. And he's obviously rising to that, but we're still seeing like mistakes from Mercedes and stuff. Whereas next year, it's probably going to be in the team rather than on the grid. So if they've got the two of them challenging each other, and then say Red Bull still have a competitive car, Ferrari have a competitive car, they're going to be a lot more things at stake, hopefully. Fingers let's crossed. Let's just call this
1: year a day. Let's, let's call this year a year and move on to <laughs> 2022 because I'm so excited.
0: I'm pretty sure everyone thought that like this time last year as well, didn't they?
1: Yeah. But now we have like, we've seen one of the cars and the grid looks, the grid for next year looks, in my opinion, a lot more exciting than this year's. Yeah. Especially when you're going to have like uh, Carlos and Daniel, hopefully a little, and Sergio, hopefully a little bit more settled down in their teams.
0: Yeah.
1: And someone returning, obviously that's been announced uh, on Wednesday as we are recording.
0: Yeah, so today's big news was that Williams Formula 1 team next year will run Nicholas Latifi and the returning Alex Albon, which I'm very happy about. I'm pleased that Alex is back on the grid.
1: Me too. I hope he's had a year to settle down and drive German cars really fast and which he's actually not been doing fantastically well in DTM. He's only recently kind of got the hang of it. But
0: he also drives an Italian car.
1: Yeah. So he will be a Red Bull driver who's currently driving a Ferrari moving to a Mercedes team.
0: Yeah, (laughs) he's ticking off all the boxes.
1: (laughs) But that is an interesting element to this, isn't it? He has managed to, or Christian Horner, I think, has pulled a masterstroke and managed to get one of his drivers on the inside of their biggest rivals.
0: But I don't think he's still going to be contracted as a Red Bull driver. I think they're like cutting ties with him for the year. From what, uh, it was Lawrence Barreto on Twitter said that he wasn't going to be a Red Bull driver next year. So it's not the case that he's like a Red Bull sponsored driver in a Williams. He is just going to be a Williams driver.
1: But if he does well, Red Bull are going to say, do you want to come and replace Sergio Perez? And he's not going to say no, is he?
0: Hmm. That's true, yeah.
1: yeah that or true. you probably, you probably, you might even take the seat at Tower if he was going.
0: Yeah, the weird thing that kind of jumped out to me during the whole like Alex to Williams thing. Obviously, it's great, very happy that it's there. It did come a bit of a surprise when people started saying that this was rumored. But I found the framing from Christian Horner a bit odd. That he was like, "Why are Mercedes going to stop my Red Bull driver from going to Williams?" when mercedes don't really control the seat but christian horner controls four seats so surely he's just as much to blame because he's not put alex in one of his seats it just seemed a bit odd that he was like mercedes are the bad guys here even though i don't want to give him a job
1: yeah that's
0: a very good point i think
1: that was put to him in one of the interviews over the weekend like about alpha tauri and i think the uh the answer he gave was, "Well, that's one for Franz Tost or for a deep uh I can't pronounce his name. Uh, the head of Red Bull, not helmet. So, I, yeah, I'm not sure where Christian Horner sits on dishing out the seats. Whether he just concentrates on the two he's given for Red Bull, I'm not really yeah. sure. But yeah, interesting.
0: Yeah, like obviously, I'm very happy that both." Gasly and Sonoda are staying at Alpha Towery and that Alex is gonna find a home on the grid. I just didn't think it was very fair to say that Mercedes were the bad guys when Red Bull fired him and Red Bull has four seats. No one else has four seats. I think it was probably just Christian Horner being dramatic and trying to get the headlines, which we all know he looks to do.
1: What right did Mercedes have to say anything about Williams hiring a driver?
0: I think it was to do with them wanting to get Nick De freeze in the seat, though, because he's a Mercedes driver.
1: But then you can say exactly the same to Toto Wolf. He's got two seats. If he wants Nick De freeze to have one, he could have had one.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. But two is less than four, so my point still stands. <laughs>
1: there's an ex-Red Bull driver in a Mercedes seat at the moment in Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah. I know there's not the same relationship, but...
0: There's going to be something f- like... Seven drivers that have come through the Red Bull Junior Academy will be on the grid next year.
1: Yeah, so you've got the three in the three in the seats at the moment, minus Perez.
0: Yeah.
1: Our one. Ricardo signs. Yep. And who, who's the other one?
0: Vettel. Of course. So there's like a Red Bull driver in every team, basically. Yeah, that's nice. So it kind of shows the talent they bring to the sport. And like a lot of those drivers, you wouldn't be surprised to see winning next year. In fact, all of them.
1: And and does it prove that Mercedes needs to do something about that? Because they have? Two, there are two Mercedes Academy drivers on the grid at the moment. One of them is in their team now for next year. And the other one is Esteban Ocon, who has left, cut ties and gone to Alpine. Ferrari have the seat at Alfa Romeo they can do what they what they like with. Clearly, there's not the same relationship at Williams. So do they need to do something about that?
0: But then I think you start to come down to there basically needs to be another team because there's so much talent coming through the ranks in Formula 2. You've got people like Nick De Vries that are sitting on the side waiting for a seat. You've got people like Nico Hülkenberg that had to go because there was no seat. There's a lot of drivers out there. But there's... There is only 20 spaces. Obviously, there's people that you would want to get rid of to make space, but could Formula One do with an extra team or two? Probably. Would it make the races more excited? Don't know.
1: I quite like 20, though. It's quite a nice round number.
0: Yeah, like when you go back and watch sort of, is it like 15, 16 when we had like 24 drivers on the grid? Was it 13, yeah. 14? Uh, and it looks it looks busy.
1: But the problem with that was that most of those teams, there was a big initiative, wasn't there, if one did, to get more teams into the sport. Mm. And it just turned out that they were all as slow as each other and just competed against each other. So it was pointless.
0: Yeah, and they all went bankrupt. So, yeah. Did not really work. But then the other Red Bull news today was that Gasly and Sonoda were going to stay at Alpha Tauri. Um, this. I feel like this seemed like a dead cert for quite a while. Gasly's been coming basically fifth every week. Sonoda seems to have kind of got over his little bumps in the road and be getting a little bit more consistency. So I'm pretty happy to see this one.
1: Yeah, it'd be nice just to see Sonoda hit his stride a little bit in the second half of this year. Um, I still don't think we've seen his full potential. And if he doesn't perform next year, I think if he doesn't perform in the first half of next year, Red Bull, like in a Red Bull, and put someone else in that seat because it's not fair on AlphaTauri. If he, if 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 Pierre is getting fifth every week, he's stopping that other second seat being in the points, surely? Yeah, and they'll do something
0: about it. I know, obviously, Red Bull's kind of got this reputation as being quite ruthless with its drivers. I would have thought like two years is a decent amount of time. I would give him the whole of next year to see if he's any good. It's like, look at Alfa Romeo and Williams. They've got Nicholas Latifi and Antonio Giovinazzi the other way around. And they were both... So Latifi next year will be going into his third year. Giovinazzi's had three years there. I would say Latifi's made slightly more progress than Giovinazzi. Um, I think I don't think you can really judge someone's progress until after longer than a season and a half. Although I guess you've got to make the decision after the halfway point. So I don't know. Well, tell Alex Albon and Pierre Gasly that. I know, this is the exact reason that I'm not a Formula 1 team principal. I'd be like, no, just you have another go. You have another go. See if you can do better next week. Haas <laughs> is... They're unconfirmed, aren't they? So they've not signed, but the strong rumour is that they're going to be sticking around. And then yep, the only have- seat Left is the second alpha seat, isn't it? Yes,
1: which is an interesting one. Who's your shortlist? Who's on your shortlist of who it could be?
0: I mean, it was Alex Albon, but not anymore. Yep. Um, I don't know. I still would like to see someone new come in to the seat. So someone like Callum yep. lot I think, would be really cool. Giovinazzi, like Obviously, we do sort of need to issue a public apology because we said he was rubbish, but then he qualified seventh at the weekend. So he has, like, if he can do good again this weekend, maybe he does deserve another chance. But I definitely am more on the idea that they need someone else. And I think having Bottas in the team means that whoever is going to come in, like, he's going to make up for any lost communication that there might be. Like, something has struggled with is that the drivers aren't able to pinpoint what's wrong and what can be fixed. But if you've got Bottas there, he's still going to manage that if you bring in someone. Mm new, Yeah, I think I'd be very happy if it was someone like Callum I do also really like Nick DeVries, who's the other name that's been batted around a bit. And then some people had said Hulkenberg, but I feel like that's... Nah, he's had his time. Leave
1: him be. (laughs) The latest rumour I saw is Guan Yu Zhou. He's in the Alpine Young Drivers, isn't he? He is. He's currently second in F2 as well. But the rumor is that he will come with a significant sponsorship from a Chinese sponsor mm-hmm. in the region of
0: like £25 million. So. That would also mean that there'd be three drivers on the grid of Asian heritage. So it would beef up, substantially beef up the diversity of the grid, which would be great to see.
1: Yeah. And open up the market in China as well, which Mm. I'm sure both F1 and Alfa Romeo would love. And I mean, money talks, isn't it? In F1, look, we've got Stroll, Mazepin, Latifi, they've all got their, their seats by some stretch because of financial backing. So I wouldn't rule him out just yet.
0: No, I feel like it's, I've really struggled to keep up to date with F2 this year because it's just on on so sporadically.
1: Yeah, well, that's the thing, isn't it? So it doesn't make sense. I mean, we can rant about this and it will probably get cut out. But F2 was at like a bit at the beginning of the season, like Monaco and I think Spain. And then there's F3. But really, F2 should finish now so that the drivers that are pushing the F2 Championship, like who's going to win F2, is almost a done deal and then move F3 to the end of the year so that they can then fight it out for seats in F2 next year.
0: Yeah, because you need time to prove to the Formula 1 bosses that you've got your championship and that you therefore deserve a seat. But if they've already filled all their seats by now, they're not going to care come December.
1: Well, this is exactly what's happened to Callum and Nick de
0: So what do you think? Are you pretty happy with the way the 2022 grid is shaping up? Is there any names that you would like to see fill the vacant Alfa Romeo seat or claim one of the two spots at Haas? Uh, You can get in touch with us on Twitter to let us know your thoughts. You can reach out to the show at Friday Formula or each of us individually. I'm at Owen underscore Bellwood and Will, you are
1: at Will Longman.
0: So please do reach out on there. We'd love to hear your thoughts Uh, ahead of this weekend's Italian Grand Prix see us return to monza you can jump onto our youtube channel and watch a whole host of our past episodes we pop them up on there with a little video so you can see what we will look like if you are that way inclined but until next time uh we do hope that you have a very lovely week and please don't forget to rate review and subscribe whatever you get podcasts and we'll be back next friday goodbye bye